0: Hey there, everybody, and welcome to Attachment, Motivation, and Empowerment in the Trauma-Informed Workplace. This is another segment in our Trauma-Informed Workplace series, and I'm your host, Dr. Donnelly Snipes. In this video, we're going to explore how attachment theory can be applied to organizations, identify ways that staff, clients, and organizations can promote secure attachment, Highlight how staff, clients, and organizational relationships that are characterized by secure attachment lead to empowerment and commitment. And review ways that staff, clients, and organizations can enhance motivation to improve attachment and safety. It's important to recognize that knowing or wanting to create a trauma-informed workplace is great, but people need to be motivated and the organization needs to be motivated to put forth the effort to make those changes. Relationships are characterized by secure attachment um, and promote a feeling of safety and empowerment, allowing the staff, the client, or the organization or, and the organization to devote resources to the task at hand instead of self protection. So what we're talking about is creating an environment where people feel drum roll, please safe and empowered. And remember from the last videos that when a staff member feels unsafe, that's going to impact the way that they impact or interact with the organization, as well as the client. When a client feels unsafe or their trauma is triggered, that's going to impact the way they interact with the organization and the staff. When the organization experiences trauma or is fearing threat, that is going to impact the way they interact with staff and clients. So it's important to recognize that all of these relationships are interconnected, and and that's why it's important to create secure attachments in all of them, between clients and the organization, and clients and staff, between staff and each other, between staff and the organization, between staff and clients. You get my point. Anyhow, uh, when relationships are characterized by secure attachment, organizations can focus on their mission and growth. The organization can think to itself, if it thought to itself, I know the staff and clients are committed to my well being and growth, so I can do what I need to do. Staff can focus on supporting each other and nurturing relationships with clients. They can think to themselves, I know other staff and the organization have my back, and I have the resources and support to provide the clients with what they need, and when I do, clients will return and the organization will continue to exist clients that feel safe with staff and within the organization are more likely to benefit from those interactions and help the company grow the client may think to themselves i know the organization and their staff are trustworthy have my best interest at heart and help me achieve my goals with them now remember that what we're talking about is creating a trauma-informed workplace in all workplaces so let's think of a retail organization if a client walks in and feels unsafe or unwelcome then that may trigger prior traumas when they felt unsafe and unwelcome and they may react with anxiety anger or withdrawal Um, when organizations you know, any organization is at risk of being canceled or losing their revenue or losing their reputation. And when an organization fears that happening, they, it may react from a place of trauma, from a place of crisis. So what we're trying to do is ensure that all players or all stakeholders feel secure in their relationships. So no one feels unsafe and disempowered attachment characteristics now we're talking about staff clients and organizations and throughout this presentation whenever you see sco that's what it means consistency in policies responses and product Uh, it's important to remember that the attachment characteristics consistency responsiveness attention validation encouragement and safety those are important in interpersonal relationships like between staff and between staff and clients but it's also important for the organization to demonstrate these things to the staff and clients so again consistency in policies responses and product you want your staff members to be consistent in their responses to clients, to be consistent in doing their job, you know, getting their work done, responding to the needs of the organization. You want the organization to be consistent in its responses to staff and client needs. You see where we're going? If we're talking about retail or even services like uh, financial, financial investing or something, you want to have consistency in your product that is you want to produce a high quality product or service for the people that come in you want to look at consistency if your organization is consistent if they are you know producing something that you can regularly expect is good think about going to a restaurant if they every time you go in there you know you're going to get food that is really good then you know they're going to be consistent and you're more likely to come back. Responsiveness to identified needs is the next one. And it's important that staff be responsive to the needs of the organization as well as the clients. And I worked for a lot of years as a middle manager. And I was in that position where I was trying to do what's best for the organization as well as my staff. And I was often in this position of trying to create a win-win. The organization needs to be responsive. Well, all of them. SEOs need to be responsive um, and supportive of the other two. So clients, ideally, would be responsive to the organization and to to staff. Now, a lot of times that's not going to be super overt because clients don't have the obligation to proactively do things. But clients can provide support by providing feedback to the organization in an appropriate way that says, "Hey, I really love your restaurant or I really love your business, but lately Something's gone amiss, so just kind of a heads up. You know, that's important. Uh, Staff can be responsive to client and organization needs. And organization can be supportive of client and, and staff needs. Responsiveness can also come in the form of skills training. Now, obviously, we're not going to provide skills training in most instances to clients. But we can provide skills training, soft skills as they call them, uh, to managers as well as to uh, staff members and even C-level executives. There are a lot of C-level executives who are really good at marketing or really good at um, numbers, but they're not really good at people. So skills training can be essential to ensuring that the organization responds and understands the need to respond to both staff and clients. And responding to identified needs through communication and awareness regularly, an organization can regularly have a feedback mechanism that staff and clients can provide input. But also, not. we don't want the the communication to go just one way. When people turn in a comment card, for example, well, that's great, but you want to see the organization responding to that, not just, well, thanks for your feedback, but responding in a way that says, that's a great idea and we will do that this way, or that's a great idea. However, we cannot do that for this reason. You know, we want to have some feedback that, indicates that the organization cares and takes seriously the input of their staff and clients ideally staff would also get feedback and input from clients about what they're doing well and what they could work on uh, because that will enhance their ability to provide higher quality services consistently attention Positive attention. Organizations are notoriously bad about this. Positive attention from the organization means helping people, staff as well as clients, feel like they are not just a number. Helping them feel like they are integral to the mission of the organization. This can be through recognition. It can be through, you know, remembering somebody's birthday. It can be through a variety of different methods, but it's important not to rest on your laurels and assume that clients are gonna come back or assume that staff are happy as long as you're not criticizing them. Providing positive feedback is really, really important. So brainstorm ways that you can do that. How can you provide proactive feedback to other staff, to clients, to help them know that they are respected and welcomed and needed and integral to the overall mission. V stands for validation of feelings, thoughts, wants, and needs. And yes, organizations, you know, the entity, while they may not have feelings per se, they do have wants and needs. They need to maintain their reputation. They need to meet their financial goals in order to stay solvent they need to grow and keep continuing to work to fulfill their mission and it's important that we recognize when they feel that those needs are being thwarted that is potentially traumatic for the organization that's potentially going to cause stress in terms of staff and clients these are that's easier because we've often talked about people's feelings, thoughts, wants, and needs. So I'm not going to explain that one as much, but it, it is rec- it is important that we recognize people's experiences as theirs. Somebody who grew up in a chaotic or even a violent situation may perceive an environment very differently than someone who didn't. The person who grew up in the violent environment you know their feelings and thoughts wants and needs in your environment in the present are very valid for them based on their prior experiences for them to feel safe these are the kinds of things that they might need whereas somebody else may not need those things it doesn't mean that one is wrong and one is right it just means each person has different thoughts wants and needs E stands for encouragement to try new things that will enhance my growth in a meaningful way for me. So how can organizations encourage staff and clients to try new things, to enhance their growth, to increase their connection or commitment with the organization? How can staff encourage clients to try new things, but also how can staff encourage the organization to try new things and a lot of times creating a trauma-informed workplace originates with staff staff is often the one that comes to senior management and says hey you know it would really be beneficial if we did this and these are the reasons why so staff can encourage the organization or and, you know everything works interactively And finally, safety in admitting mistakes or weaknesses. This is so important in all settings that people feel safe to say, I screwed up. I'm sorry. I made a mistake. Let's see how we can fix it. My first boss, my first, you know, legit boss out of of grad school was great. And I could go to him and walk into his office and look him straight in the eye and say, Richard, I screwed up and I did it big. Um, And and usually he'd get this little wry smile across his face as he sat back and put his feet up on the the desk and said, yeah, I could tell just by the way you walked in here. (laughs) But he was never critical. His response was always, all right, what are you going to do to fix it? And instead of being punitive or threatening me with losing my job. And that is really important in, for example, um, healthcare professions and behavioral health professions where we have sentinel incidents. But it's also crucial in other places like in law enforcement or even in factories where people need to be able to identify when they make a mistake or when there's a problem and not fear retribution, they need to know that they're safe to appropriately, of course, state their opinion or their needs or their mistake. And that the organization will help them fix it. Or if the organization makes a mistake, the staff will help them fix it. Uh, Again, clients are typically, especially in like retail organizations and things, um, They can be counted on. The clients that are true believers in your organization are often there to help you out when you make a mistake. If you screw up, if you um, do something, you know, whatever it is that is problematic, a lot of times your loyal customers or your loyal clients will continue to have your back and be your cheerleader and say, okay, you know, you screwed up. But I'm going to come back and I'm going to give you another chant because I trust, I trust that it wasn't intentional and you are trying to be, create an environment that's safe for me. How can your organization create secure attachment, consistency, responsiveness, positive attention, validation, encouragement, and safety? How can your organization do this for staff? How can your organization do this for clients? How can staff do this for clients, each other, and the organization? As you as a person, whatever you are, and you are all of these things in different settings probably, uh, as you model these behaviors, it's important to remember that other people will pick up on it, and they'll identify it, and they'll recognize that, hey, You know, I came in with both barrels because I was feeling threatened or I expected them to not be supportive and encouraging. And guess what? They had my back and that just diffuses the, diffuses the response, diffuses the anger and helps the person feel safe and empowered. Now, I mentioned earlier that in order to create a trauma-informed workplace, in most cases, Organizations are going to have to make some changes. So there needs to be motivation by the organization to create a trauma-informed workplace that empowers and inspires commitment in staff and clients. How can organizations uh, create an environment that people want to work at and clients want to come to? Organizations can be often motivated by bottom line you know, motivated by their assisting them with their ability to achieve their mission and vision and maintain solvency. Uh, Staff, to create a trauma-informed workplace in which you feel safe, supported, and nurtured. This is what we're trying to motivate staff to do. And clients or customers or consumers, whatever you call them in your profession, we want to encourage clients to be motivated to participate in a trauma informed workplace that has their best interests at heart and will help them achieve their goals. Clients can be encouraged and motivated to provide feedback and say, hey, you know, I'd really feel more comfortable and be more likely to patronize your organization if these issues were addressed. You know, that gives us something to work with. The organization can take that feedback and and be responsive to it. Possible initial goals. Now, creating a trauma informed workplace doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't even happen in a quarter. The first thing that the organization needs to do and the staff need to do and ideally get some buy in with clients is agree to work together to create a trauma informed workplace. You know, the first thing is getting everybody on board to say, yep, this is a good idea. So we need to increase motivation to make this happen. The next goal is often information gathering. So gathering and synthesizing feedback from staff, clients, and the organization about what promotes and hinders secure attachment and to solicit information or feedback about possible changes that would make each party feel more secure, feel safer. What could happen that might encourage um, and support commitment? In terms of types of motivation, there are a lot of different types of motivation for, for people, for example, but in terms of this particular issue, the organization is often motivated by maintaining reputation, productivity, growth, and fulfilling their mission. So how can a trauma-informed workplace help your organization do these things more effectively? And I'll give you a little hint here. When staff feel secure and safe and they're not triggered, they're often more productive. They're often more responsive to the needs of clients. When client, and they often are more likely to stay at your organization instead of being there for six months or a year and then quitting. When clients feel uh, safe and secure and nurtured in your organization and empowered in your organization, they're more likely to take keep bringing their business to you as opposed to looking for somewhere else to try out. So the organization is can grow more if they're not constantly having to replace staff and recruit new clients. In terms of staff motivation, job security is a great motivator. If they are feeling safer in their job, if they're not feeling like they're just a number, if they're not feeling like if they make a mistake, they're going to be canned, it reduces a lot of stress and increases their ability to be proactive and responsive and productive Um, it can a trauma-informed workplace can help them enhance their productivity they won't be as angry and anxious all the time if they're not being triggered so they can devote that energy to fulfilling the organizational mission and responding to clients and most people are in their occupation because it is helping them fulfill their personal mission and goals. Whether you're in education and you want to help inspire the future minds of America, or you're in behavioral health and you want to help people feel happier and healthier, um, whatever your organization is, even in retail, people's uh, people who are in retail are often there for a reason. Maybe it is a great place for them to use their skills to help others get what they need, but also to earn a paycheck. Maybe they can be very successful in retail and that helps them achieve other goals outside of the office. Whatever the reason, you know, how can a trauma-informed workplace help staff be happier, healthier, feel safer, and more empowered to do what's meaningful to them? And for clients, How can a trauma-informed organization, why would they want to help, create a trauma-informed workplace? Well, it reduces stress, anxiety, and anger. If they can walk in and they're not wondering, is this person going to screw me over? It can enhance respect the the client feels like they're not just a number or replaceable if the organization is saying hey i value your opinion and i want to create an environment that is safe empowering and welcoming for you it can help clients fulfill personal goals with that organization if they are going in to get treatment then they may feel safer and more confident in their providers if they are going in to get a service Uh, they may go in and feel more confident that they're going to get value for what they are asking for, that they're not going to be taken advantage of. How can staff motivate the organization and clients to want to create a trauma-informed workplace? How can the organization and supervisors motivate staff to want to create a trauma-informed workplace? and i said earlier a lot of times it starts with staff and that's great but then the organization gets involved and then and they will start saying all right as individuals maybe we need to also add some additional trainings here and there Uh, it's important when creating the master plan so to speak for creating a trauma-informed workplace that the organization not only considers what they want to do But make sure they do it in a way that is not overwhelming, traumatizing, disempowering to staff. Too often, I see organizations say, hey, let's create this change. And then all of a sudden, staff have 15 trainings they need to take on top of their regular duties. And they're just sitting there kind of like a deer in headlights going, I have no idea how I'm going to get all this done. So it's important to integrate these changes gradually and meaningfully in a way that supports and enhances staff and their ability to respond to clients instead of trying to all of a sudden turn on a dime stages of change for staff clients and organizations in pre-contemplation and i have a little pool here because i use the analogy of getting into a pool when you are out sunbathing you may start feeling kind of hot but it's not a problem yet you're you're okay you have no desire to go get in that cold pool you're you're just fine when a person is in the pre-contemplation stage they don't see a problem or they see a problem you know they might be a little bit hot but they're not willing or motivated to make changes people who are reluctant pre-contemplators don't really understand the impact that the the issue is having so they don't really understand why a trauma-informed workplace is important a little bit of education can go a long way people who are rebellious pre-contemplators may fear losing control uh, so it's important to to help staff for example understand that hey you know i understand you've got a lot on your plate right now and We're not going to start dumping oodles of changes and policy changes and trainings on you. Um, We actually want to hear what you have to say. So instead of approaching it, um, or, or the organization can recognize that staff is likely going to be somewhat anxious or ambivalent because changes in the past have probably been done in a very heavy-handed fashion, and it's important to help shift the energy from fear of losing control by clients and staff to focus on what they have control over, and that is providing feedback and participating in informing this change. The resigned pre-contemplator has tried to change before and has been unsuccessful. They've tried to do things And it just hasn't worked out so they're like why try again i i give up it's important in those people to rekindle hope and optimism by highlighting successes strengths and supports if your organization has tried to create a warmer friendlier environment and it just kind of fell flat you know that may be an example where you have resigned pre-contemplators they're just They've been through this before, you know, every couple of years, senior management tries to do this and it never seems to go anywhere. So, you know, why even get invested? And it's important to help them understand how is this time different? How are we going to work together? It's important to, again, recognize that when you're communicating with people who are in pre-contemplation, you know, you're not forcing them. You're not telling them they're wrong. You're not violating their cognitive boundaries. You are providing information. You are being consistent with your messaging. You're being responsive to their concerns. You're paying attention to what their needs might be right now, validating their perceptions as as valid for them at that point in time, and then maybe providing more information, encouraging them, to explore possibly making a change and making sure that they feel safe within the organization. Goals and actions you can offer in for pre-contemplation. You can offer factual information about the impact of trauma on staff, clients, and the organization. So you can start helping people understand how trauma is actually negatively impacting the workplace and how creating this environment is going to reduce stress across the board and potentially enhance um, happiness and productivity and a sense of safety and empowerment. You want to elicit the staff, the client and the organization's perception of the problem from their perspective what do they think how do they think trauma is impacting them their their colleagues um and and the organization for example explore the pros and cons of possible changes if we do this you know what are the pros if we do this what are the drawbacks and examine discrepancies between the staff client and organization's perceptions of the problem behavior. So you want to look at it. If the organization says, there is no trauma, nobody's being triggered. And the staff is going, what planet did you come from? Then we want to, and obviously it would be stated more appropriately than that, but it's important to look at the discrepancies and evaluate um, why different, the staff has a different perception than the organization or that, than the clients and provide more information. A lot of times people see things from their perspective. And we talked in earlier videos about the um, the mountain experiment where two kids were placed on either side of a, a, a model of a mountain. And on one side, there was a tunnel with a train coming out And on the other side, there was no tunnel. There was no train. And the child who saw the train coming out assumed that the child on the other side saw the same exact thing, but they didn't. They were in the same room looking at the same model of the same mountain, but they were looking at it from two different perspectives and had two different experiences. Neither one was wrong. Contemplation is the next stage. And this is when people or the organization start deciding, Oh, it's getting a little hot, but I'm okay. You know, I'm, I'm still not ready to go jump in that cold pool. I'm still not ready to start making big changes. Um, It's important at this point to address ambivalence by just tipping the decisional balance scales, which means encourage people to look at the pros and cons of change and the pros and cons of staying the same and increase their motivation for change and decrease their fears about change. Address concerns about change and help staff, clients, and the organization visualize a unified vision of change. What does a trauma-informed, what does a safe environment look like to all of these people? you know, and let's create a multidimensional vision so we understand what it's going to take for all three stakeholders to feel safe and safe and empowered. For contemplation, help the staff, client, and organization acknowledge problems created by trauma and current staff, client, and organizational behaviors and environments. So what problems might be being created by the behaviors of the staff clients or organizations who are being triggered you know let's look we recognize that trauma occurs we recognize people are being triggered what's the big deal well often there is a big deal help the staff client and organization generate optimism and intention to change in the organization this may go on their their dashboard goals for the next fiscal year Show curiosity about the goals of the staff, the clients, and the organization. You know, why are these changes important to you? You know, help me understand in what way that makes you feel safer and empowered. Explore how those goals may be negated by current behavior. Current behavior being behavior from a traumatized or trauma-triggered perspective where people are anxious Um, defensive angry exhausted Um, you know how can behaviors that are coming from that place negate the ability to create an environment that is safe and empowering reframe negative statements summarize concerns and explore specific pros and cons i talked about that on the last slide strengthen the resolve of the staff clients and organization by nudging them to make positive choices set deadlines hypothesize or request a trial period maybe a department embarks upon this to see the effectiveness of it help the staff client and organizations set goals and take steps to create a trauma-informed workplace And it may be different in different parts of your organization. And and that's okay. It's important to get feedback and encourage each department to analyze what may need to be addressed and to start taking micro steps. Again, we want to do this in a meaningful way that doesn't overwhelm or add additional stress or trauma to people. Provide positive feedback. And remind the client or staff of triggers, including negative emotions like anger, social pressures like peers, um, and extended issues that may trigger um, trauma in in different people. And in behavioral health settings, for example, um, people may experience um, depression, low energy, headaches, cravings that can be triggers for the past reinforce the client's commitment or the individual's commitment what do you think needs to change what are you going to do how are you going to do it what resources do you need what are some benefits of making a change and how does this support your personal goals and needs so you can ask these questions of the organization of each staff member of each team even and even of the clients what do you think has to change in what ways can you help us as an organization or as staff members make that change so what are you going to do preparation in terms of the pool this is when the person decides that they're hot they're not quite ready to jump into that cold pool but they're going to go sit on the edge and stick their toe in and see how it feels At this stage, we wanna increase people's sense of self-efficacy and hardiness. Hardiness is characterized by commitment to the things that are important, awareness of what they have control over, and a sense of challenge to undertake this new experience. We wanna help people begin learning about the issues, about trauma and trauma-informed environments. They've already identified on a very high level how trauma may be impacting them and the other the other two in in the triad but learning more about the issues and specifically what triggers trauma and how to create a trauma-informed environment how to communicate non-violently all those things this is when people start getting prepared to make a change they start learning about the the things that they may need to do in this new and improved trauma-informed workplace. Identify motivations and create small successes for components of the goal. And I said earlier, micro goals. This is what can people do or what can teams do in an hour? You know, if people spend an hour each week doing something, you know, that is movement yes it's small movement but it's movement a lot of times in organizations people already have their day pretty booked so getting them to do something for an hour is a pretty monumental uh task and we want to make sure that we do what we can to set them up for success clarify goals and strategies by identifying and addressing barriers to change now this applies more to staff and the organization than clients But it is important to identify uh, those barriers. For staff, a lot of times it's just the number of hours in the day or the resources that they need. Uh, So how can we, as an organization, help staff address those barriers? Highlight strengths and past successes. Garner support, envision change, and find motivation from others. At this point, we want to start getting all of the staff excited about this new environment. Any of the, the clients who have agreed to be on committees, you know, any of the client stakeholders who've already agreed to participate in this process. We want to start getting everybody excited and envisioning this new trauma-informed, safe, empowering, welcoming environment. We want to help At this point, the staff, clients, and organization work together to negotiate a plan for change, to pick from a menu of options what is going to be done and in what order, to develop goals and timelines, identify and reduce barriers, identify and enhance strengths and resources, enlist support, you know, getting, you know, all staff on board, maybe... Enlisting the help of volunteers uh, so staff can have that hour each week to do what they need to do. Maybe volunteers or PRN or even bringing in consultants who are more familiar with trauma-informed principles who can guide this to ensure that it's being done as efficiently as possible. And then have the staff, clients, and organization, but particularly the staff and organization, publicly announce their plans. Not only that they're going to create a trauma-informed workplace, but this is how they're going to do it and what they hope to, that, that, that this environment will look like, what they hope the changes will be. And by what date in action, people are ready to do something. They're tired of being hot. If you want to stick with the pool metaphor, they are ready to change. We want to identify ways to ensure motivation is maintained. For staff, you know, sometimes they're going to start feeling overwhelmed. So, how can we ensure they stay motivated to do these things? Change is hard. Doing something new, doing something different, takes more energy than doing something that you've always done. Doing something that's kind of automatic takes a lot less energy than doing something new. So, we need to encourage motivation. We need to make sure that. Um, middle managers have the ability to support and motivate staff staff can motivate each other Uh, gamifying it can be one technique that can be really helpful Um, there are a lot of different techniques engage staff clients and the organization in the process everybody needs to be involved Making sure that, you know, it's not just staff that are changing and the organization is sitting back going, well, when they get their issues under control, we'll be fine. You know, everybody needs to be a participant. Support the view of change through small steps. I've said that multiple times now. Acknowledge difficulties in the beginning. Recognize that getting started is often One of the hardest parts, just like going to the gym and getting started on the, on the treadmill or something, the first couple of minutes, the first couple of weeks is the hardest. And once you get into a routine, into a rhythm, once it's not a totally new behavior, it becomes easier. Help the staff, client, and organization identify high risk situations and develop appropriate responses. For example, in behavioral health, every year, there is a, in a nonprofit uh, there is a high risk time where everybody starts to get antsy or stressed out because we're waiting to find out how much funding we're going to get from the state and federal government. And if funding gets cut, then people lose their jobs. If funding is increased, well, that's grand. So that is a high risk situation, that's a high risk time in which the organization is stressed out and reacting from a place of trauma because they've had their funding cut before. And the individuals, the staff are also reacting from a place of trauma because they have experienced the slim years when budgets have been cut and people have been laid off so it's important during these high-risk situations to identify how are we going to respond how are we going to ensure that people feel safe and secure in this environment help the staff clients and the organization develop support and engage resources Um, and it's important at this point in time you know with the behavioral health that's where I've spent my entire career so I can give the best examples from there Um, A lot of times behavioral health organizations would start networking with one another, recognizing that everybody is going to get a piece of the pie and some organizations may get a windfall while others get their budgets cut. So negotiating and basically trying to ensure that if one organization has to lay off staff that they may have an opportunity to go work for the other organization Um, can help staff feel a little bit more secure they may not love the idea but it can relieve some anxiety that they may be completely unemployed maintenance enjoy your successes once you create this wonderful trauma-informed workplace step back and look how far you've come stay mindful of continuing to, quote, work the program, uh, make sure that staff and the organization, especially, continue operating from this trauma-informed place, implementing the policies and procedures and behaviors that were identified as necessary to help people feel safe, secure, and committed. Creating a culture that is consistent, responsive, attentive, validating, encouraging, and safe helps staff, clients, and even the organization know what's expected of them, that they are safe, and what they need to do to get their needs met. Helping SCOs realize the impact of trauma on people's ability to feel safe, secure, and empowered is the first step in enhancing motivation to create a trauma-informed workplace. Motivational enhancement techniques are often needed at all levels, the staff, clients, and the organization, to increase commitment to the change process. Especially in the beginning, when people are already feeling exhausted and maybe even somewhat traumatized, they may see this as, oh my gosh, one more freaking thing. So it's an important To enhance people's motivation and help them see how the organization is going to support them in this process so as not to overwhelm them by their nature motivational enhancement techniques encourage staff clients and the organization to be consistent responsive attentive validating encouraging and safe if we are feeling safe and empowered, if we're feeling secure and empowered, we are going to be more motivated. We are going to have more energy freed up that's not devoted to anxiety and distress to move towards something that is more positive. Thank you for watching today. And we do have several more installments or segments coming up in the very near future.